0: Hello everybody. Welcome to the Preacher Dad podcast. My name is Jared and I am the Preacher Dad. I blog at PreacherDad.com where you can find information on the biblical perspective for everything from parenting to politics. And I also uh, want you to recognize and understand that at PreacherDad.com we are trying to impact the next generation. We are seeking to draw them unto the Lord and bring them to Him. I'm so pleased to be with you today, uh, recording here from uh, the middle of nowhere, Georgia. And that makes it sound insignificant, but it sure isn't, because we are doing things here to advance the kingdom of God, and uh, I am trying to make a difference for my family, my children. And today I want to share with you a message that I preached some years ago. Um, I'm going to share it with you again today, live, although this isn't live, but I'm preaching it live. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I want to share with you a message. It's the 12th message from our foundation series where we're preaching through the book of Genesis. You can hear the first 11 of those messages here on the, uh, on the podcast. If you go back to the archive section, dig them out, you can find those, but I want to share with you number 12 today. And, uh, This one is entitled, The Breath of Life. The Breath of Life, it comes from Genesis 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7, I'll just read that for you here. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul a living soul. Now, this passage is more than just a history about the details of the creation of man. It gives us a significant picture of the work of God upon the soul in regeneration. It's a picture of greater things to come. And I want to share some of that with you here this morning. <laughs> it's just barely, well, it just made it to afternoon, I guess. This passage also illustrates a profound principle of the Bible, and that is that the Lord gives life to the lifeless. So first of all, let's talk about the dust of the ground. So that dust is the Hebrew word alfar, and it means clay, earth, or mud. You know, that stuff that you like to get between your toes if you live out in the country. Um, and the word for ground is adama, and it's the word soil or earth. That's what it literally means. So here in this passage, God tells us that man was literally molded from mud. Uh, if you've ever been to a um, to see wax figures or you know those uh, museums where they have uh, a wax figure of a famous person—it looks very realistic. I sort of imagine it like that. Uh, if we were molded from mud, it would have just been a lump of clay that God shaped and molded to look like a human being on the outside. It would—we, Adam—would have looked like a human, but of course without any life. You see, the soil. We are formed from the ground, the dust of the ground, literally molded from mud, and that is the stuff that everybody walks on. It's the lowest of the low, it's the the most insignificant not insignificant, but it's the most uh, it's the lowliest material you might say on the earth. God didn't choose to make us; He could have chosen to make us out of a tree, out of the air, out of a star come down from heaven. He could have chosen any number of things upon the earth, but what he did is he chose the humblest, lowliest, most basic material on the earth. And that signifies something to us, that says something about our humility and our weakness. Mankind is the crown of creation and incredibly valuable to God, but I think he made us out of the soil to keep us humble And remind us that without him, we are nothing. Without him, we are nothing. He even reminded Adam of this after the fall of Genesis 3.19. He says, for dust thou art. You are dust. (laughs) Um, We need to remember how humble and weak we really are apart from him. In Romans 12, verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then in Psalm 86, verse 1, I'll just turn there uh, briefly here. Psalm 86, and the first verse says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me for I am poor and needy. David had this figured out. We are poor and needy. We are lowly. We, are, we should not think of ourselves more highly than we are. We are made of the dust. We're not made of anything more glamorous or glorious than that. And it's wise for us to remember our humility, how low we are, to remember how, how weak we are and incapable we are apart from him. William Law said that humility is nothing else but a right judgment of ourselves. How true that is. But then I want you to notice the next part of this verse says, um, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. This word breathed is the word nafach, nafach, fach, fach, I'm not sure exactly, nafach, and it means to puff, inflate. You see, God stepped in. That wasn't the end of the story. God stepped in and did something amazing. There was this lump of mud on the ground, probably an incredibly handsome lump of mud, but A lump of mud, nonetheless, until God breathed the breath of life. This wasn't just any old breath. It was the breath that brings life. It was the living breath. God breathed upon the mud, and the mud was no longer just mud. God steps in and breathes living breath upon him, and he becomes alive. See, God does that throughout Scripture. He steps in and brings life. Moses delivered Israel. God stepped in, sent Moses, and brought life. He brought deliverance to Israel. That was bringing life. How about dividing the Red Sea? Things are desperate, just desperate for the children of Israel because they are, they got the mountains on either side. They got the the Red Sea in front of them, and they got Pharaoh's army coming behind. But God divided the Red Sea, this incredible miracle, and brought life to the moment, to that situation. David defeating Goliath. God breathes life into the death that everyone was afraid was coming. God brought life. And Peter was delivered from jail. God... Peter was in prison and and very likely going to be killed and and all the believers were praying for him but boy things looked bleak and hard and God stepped in and delivered him from jail we can never count God out no matter how bad the situation might be we can never count God out because the same life that he breathed into Peter's situation David's situation Moses' situation And Adam's situation at the very beginning, he's the same God today, and he's just as capable now of breathing life into your situation in your life today as he was then. Our God still breathes life into the world and into our situations every day. We ought not to ever count God out. You see, there's always hope in Christ. We should never give up hope. That's why I encourage you to check out a podcast I like. Uh, it's called Dare to Hope by my my uncle. His name is Keith Hinton. Look up Dare to Hope because there is a great place to find the opportunity because the opportunity to hope and the the, the faith that we need to hope. Is there in the scriptures, and my Uncle Keith does a great job explaining it. But I, I want us to recognize that we should never count God out. There's great power in the living breath, the breath of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it tells us that Scripture itself is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God. And in John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus explains that his word still brings life. Let's look at that passage there. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, and that word means to make alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus' words still bring life today. This this breathing of life into Adam signifies to us the infusing of the Holy Spirit into the believer. In John chapter 20, verse 22, the new man is given life by the breath or spirit of God. Let's look there. John chapter 20. Verse 22, Jesus is speaking to his disciples who have put their faith in him. And he says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. That's quicken is to make alive. He shall make you alive, your mortal body, by what? By His Spirit that dwells in us. Just like the breath of life ignited Adam into existence, it also ignites the life of the Spirit in you and me. When the Lord infuses His Spirit into us, whether at salvation or even after we've been regenerated, even even as we continue to seek to walk in more and more of the Spirit, when that Spirit comes in, it brings life. He brings life to us the spirit in us ignites the life of jesus inside of us and we are no longer dead but we become alive in the truest sense alive in a spiritual sense but that is the truest sense cs lewis loved to say that the spiritual world was the most real let's look at this third part of the passage we we talked about The fact that we are the dust of the ground and that God breathed the breath of life. And and it says Adam became a living soul. The word living in Greek there is kahi, and it means alive, fresh, strong. And the Hebrew word for soul is nefesh. It means a breathing creature. It means vitality, soul, spirit, mind. It's basically your inner man as opposed to the outer man, uh, the things that people see. It's the inner person. That's what those words mean. But you see, in this passage now, everything is different. Everything about this moment is different. Everything, Everything for Adam is completely different. He's no longer mud. He's not just mud anymore, but now he's the master of creation. He went from mud to the master of creation. What was in between? It was the breath of life. Adam's no longer dirt, but he's the desire of God himself. God desires a relationship with Adam. But the breath of life was what made the difference. The life with which mankind was infused now expresses itself every second. That breath now every moment, every moment. That that creature is alive and expressing that breath of life. You know they say that. Uh, well, you know the, in Hebrew the name of God. One of the names of God is Yahweh, Yahweh. And if you. Um, if you parse it out and look at the deep uh, Hebrew there, then you can sort of say that it's like breathing when you say, Yah, way, yeah, way. The inhale is yeah, and the exhale is way, yeah, way. And so <laughs> we speak God's name with every breath we take. This living soul, who's now completely different, signifies to us the change in a believer when we come to Christ. It's the change. It's, we're not the same anymore. The Bible says in Galatians that we have become, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, we have become new creatures. The old has passed away. All has become new. We are not the same anymore. Now we are different. That is powerful. That is significant. And it wasn't just that Adam's lungs became alive. It wasn't just that his hands started moving, but nothing else. It wasn't that he could look around and see things and turn his head, but he couldn't stand up and walk. Every part of Adam was alive down to his toenails started growing every part of adam was alive and the infusing of the holy spirit in our hearts should permeate every part of our life it should not just make us religious that uh you know now i'm you know a nicer guy i'm i'm i do a lot of the same things but i just do them nicer or it shouldn't just uh, make us go to church and we're doing the church thing now, but uh, I, I don't know that my life in Christ should permeate my business or uh, my relationships. No. Every part of our lives are changed by the Holy Spirit. It isn't that we have to change to come to the Lord and receive the Holy Spirit, it's that when the Holy Spirit comes, There shouldn't be certain parts where the Spirit is not allowed to go. We change because He came, not in order to get Him to come. Because the Spirit lives in us, now we are changed. Now we are different. It should impact every decision, every action, every motive, every second. Sort of like breathing in and out. That should be the The connection we have to the spirit should be like breathing in and out. It should just permeate every part of our life. That is what this signifies to us. I want to read another passage to you. It's in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Galatians 5:16 says, "This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is how we are to live, to walk day by day, every breath, connected to the Spirit of God. We shouldn't say that, well, you know, God has redeemed my my family relationships, but it doesn't really impact uh, the entertainment choices I have or the, the job that I have. or No, friends, it should permeate everything. It should change all of us. Everything about us should be impacted and touched by the breath of God. And you know, I said that the, the scripture itself is God-breathed, It is the Word of God, and it brings about within us a deeper and more abiding connection to the Spirit of God. It's faith that is required, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we grow in a deeper connection to the Lord through His Spirit. Jesus grows His presence in us when we put the Scriptures into us. And when we do that, we begin to walk after the Spirit. And the Spirit then permeates us and brings about the fruit of the Spirit. And then we are no longer fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. So that is this one verse, Genesis 2, verse 7, teaches us not only our place, before God, how humble and weak we are. We were made out of dust. We were molded out of mud. But also the incredible power of God to breathe into a situation or a person, His life, the breath of life, the living breath that brings about life within that soul, within that situation, within that moment, within that person. Maybe there's a person in your life that you've almost given up on, that you think they just are they they embrace death, they wallow in death, sin is death. You think there's no hope for them. You cannot count God out. We must continue to pray for them, to seek after the blessing of God to bring about the breath of God into that situation. Ask Him to breathe upon that person and to infuse that dead—that person is dead in their trespasses and sins—to infuse into that person the life of the Spirit of God. That's what we ought to seek after. That's what we ought to pray for. Maybe you have a situation that you say, there is nothing but death here. Nothing but death you should seek after the spirit of God to breathe upon that situation. Ask God to breathe the breath of life into that situation. Let life come. And we need to remember that Jesus Himself is life. Remember that it's not just a, a better life that we're seeking, or or pleasantness, or happiness, or or you know, a bigger car, or a nicer house, or a better job, or. Um, you know, more expensive clothing or uh, whatever it is we're seeking. We're not just seeking material blessings from the Lord. We're seeking Himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life. He is the life that we are seeking to be infused or breathed into our situation, our relationships, into our very soul. We want more of Him. So, That is our lesson from the fact that God stepped in and breathed life upon that uh, lump of mud he made way back when. He breathed life, life into Adam, and he breathes life into us still today. So let's take some encouragement in that. Let's take some hope, some faith from that to be able to walk away and say, hey, you know what? I'm not giving up on God. I know God is doing things I don't understand, and I'm going to continue to trust in Him, to lean upon Him, and depend upon Him to breathe life into me, that I might carry that life other places. All right, friends, God bless you. I have certainly enjoyed being with you today. I hope that you'll go to PreacherDad.com and check us out there. You can check out more uh, information about our ministry, the things that we're trying to do, about myself, and some of the articles there might be encouragement to you. But I hope this message has been an encouragement to you today, and I hope that you go into your world with more of him. And I hope that we'll see you again here next time. All right. Bye-bye. God bless.